Welcome to the Mountain and Valley Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Kip Wilkinson. A few years ago, my friend Michael Horvath and I had an idea for a project wherein we would record the stories of people we knew in order to share them with the world. That project grew into what you're about to listen to. This podcast exists to share the stories of everyday people, to discuss the difficult moments in life, or the valleys, and the amazing triumphant times that cause us to feel as if we're on mountaintops, and the winding path in between those two points. We all have a story to tell, and we hope that this podcast helps you in telling your own. In this episode, we sit down with Scott Chichka, a good friend of mine and Micah's, and from years of friendship, I can tell you that he is someone who will always shoot straight with you. Scott talks with us about his time serving as a missionary in Asia, anxiety, and the years he spent trying to find comfort at the bottom of a bottle. But I don't want to tell you Scott's story. I want to let him do it. Scott Chichka. I was born to Bonnie and Stephen Chichka, uh, January 9th, 1991. And I actually am, I claim Chattanooga is my hometown. I was not born here. I was born in North Carolina. We moved here in 94, and that's the same time that we joined Silverdale. So I've been a member of Silverdale Baptist Church for, shoot, on upward over of, what is it, 20 years now? So, you know. I grew up in that church and around this area. Um, I knew what, you know, when I was young, I knew that hell was a bad place. And I didn't want to go there. And that Jesus was awesome. And I wanted to hang out with him for all eternity. So, you know, at nine years old, I started asking questions. And I started talking to my parents. And uh, Becky Hanter at the time, who headed the children's ministry. And I uh, said a prayer in uh, the spare bedroom of our house. And I uh, said a prayer that night, and then I got baptized in February. I don't believe that. Some people are like, oh, well, that prayer that you said back then didn't mean anything. No, I truly believe that if I died the next day, I would have gone to heaven. Like, that was not just a, you know, little thing I did because I was a kid. Like, I fully wanted to, you know, be with Jesus, you know. I didn't have the mind to comprehend the deeper levels of everything. I was, you know, eight. <laughs> um, I was eight, nine years old. Like, how do I comprehend that stuff? You know? So life goes on. And it probably wasn't until I was older. And unfortunately, I'm going to say to my later teens that I realized, all right, what do I believe and why do I believe it? And I started asking those questions. And... You know, and it led me to realize, you know what, I do got to take this more seriously. Not saying that that prayer meant nothing, but I realized that I had, that I couldn't just let it sit with that. I had to build upon it more. Fast forward a little bit, um, started suffering from depression really bad, panic attacks, anxiety attacks. Shoot, I couldn't go a week without having one five nights a week. So, Having a solid sleep schedule did not exist. You know, exhaust, exhaustion and tiredness, which makes you more depressed and more anxious and more prone to things. And so it just spirals. And it was a rough time of it for sure. I chased things. I tried to handle it definitely in my own power and definitely the wrong way. 
and spent way too much money looking for the bottom of the bottle. Um, spent way too many nights looking at the bottom of the bottle too, waking up the next day, regretting it, hating myself more for it. And you know, that just didn't work. <laughs> Hindsight, I was an idiot, still an idiot, but I'm an idiot that's learned at least. And so I, you know, it took a lot of work and I had fallen out of the church heavily back then. I went maybe Easter, Christmas Eve, and like one other day when, you know, one of you guys or uh, my best friend, John Wallace, would like nag me on about it. And I would go, honestly, just to get some peace and quiet. I'm like, all right, I came, I went, you know, I'm here, I'm done. And so I started going to the bridge. Well, first thing I did actually was I told my work is that I couldn't work Sundays anymore. I was like, I need this off. You're just going to have to deal with it. Um, and I started going to the bridge, which back then was headed by Josh Stevenson. And I started getting involved in a small group and started working on things. And no, it's not a cure-all. Like, you know, I'm gonna, I am gonna—I don't know if it's true for everyone, but from what I've seen, there is no such thing as a cure for depression. It's something I'm going to deal with till the day I die. So anyone that's like, you should just get over it. You should educate yourself. <laughs> you know, not saying that Jesus, you know, couldn't cure me of it. He's all powerful. You know, snap of his fingers. I might not have it ever again. And if that's what happens, I'm not going to complain. <laughs> but at the same point, that's not realistic. You know, if you choose to do that, great. But, but. I don't know what his plan is. And if that's not his plan, then it's unrealistic for me to think that that could happen or that will happen throughout my time though. in Silverdale, and as a believer, I've have had the opportunity to go on many mission trips, which actually ignited my love for travel. Because, uh, when I went to my first mission trip back in 2006 to tell Scott Honduras, I actually did not want to go. I was signed up for it, uh, against my will. I was paid for it against my will, and I went. And I came back, and the very next year, I signed up for Chile. Like, I was one of the first five people to sign up. The next Honduras trip, I was one of the first three people to sign up. I've been out of Honduras four times. I've been to South Africa to work. Um, I've been to Chile to work. And then I spent, in 2016, I spent 10 months actually on a dot, 10 months living in South Asia, working with college students there and with a club that was already set up by a member of our church, working with people there and uh, trying to build relationships. And it was very eye-opening, you know, because that's still considered a short-term mission. Right. You know, it's only 10 months. You know, this isn't a lifelong thing, but it was still eye-opening and a great learning experience of how I need to change my approach to different things. Um, so fast forward to now, um, still a member at Silverdale, um, still struggle with depression and anxiety. Like I said, that's never going away. That's going to be till my dying breath sort of thing. You know, I have struggles and issues just like everyone at this table and everyone on this earth does. You know, I'm no better than anyone else. It actually irritates me when people say, oh, this is Scott. He's one of the best people ever. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm like, no, no, not really. I'm just me, 100% me. 
you know, and I have things I have to work on and I have struggles daily and I have, I fall so hard and so often it's not even funny, but I do know that I serve a God, the God, not a God, the God, capital G, that has so much love and mercy and grace in his heart that how could he not, you know, forgive me? of uh, just heavy drinking, we'll call it that. <laughs> call it what it is. <laughs> uh, heavy drinking? That's pretty likely, if I'm being honest. What would you What would you tell yourself, like, where you are today, if there was any anything you could say to you back then? For one, drink better stuff. <laughs> If you're going to drink, dadgummit, put down the fireball, get some blue label. All joking aside, though, I really would tell myself that. Um, honestly, I would probably lead off with a strong right hook. I would punch myself square in the face. As little as that would help, I would, that's what I would do. So, so literally non-metaphoric. Yeah, I would punch myself in the face and ask myself, why was I doing it? Because even back then when I was doing it, I knew it wasn't helping. Right. I knew spending all those Mondays getting drunk, spending half of my income on liquor in three days was not a good idea. Like, that's a half income for two weeks worth of work I spent in three days on beer, liquor, and then food. Because, you know, lunches are a thing. <laughs> and I would go, why are you doing this? You know this isn't helping, so why do it? Unfortunately, I also know that I probably wouldn't listen. I had a lot of people tell me, hey, you shouldn't drink so much. For nobody that can see this, Mike had just pointed to himself because <laughs> he told me that. <laughs> so, and he's right. Yeah. Um, Micah, for those of you who don't know, actually once came and got me because <laughs> thankfully I was smart enough not to drive drunk. Yeah. Um, we won't go there. But... You know, and I'm thankful that I had friends that even while I was doing stupid stuff that looked out for me like that, that went, all right, I'm going to make sure that at least you don't get yourself killed. Right. Um, I would also then show myself all the money, like all the money I could have saved and gone here. Here's it for you, plain and simple. Like, here's all the money you could have saved, not drinking. Not even speaking in a spiritual sense, just practical. That's what I would tell myself. Because honestly, I'm not sure if myself back then would have listened to anything spiritual. Do you know why you were doing it? Yeah, because I wanted to quit hurting for a minute. I wanted to quit fearing. I wanted to not care for just a minute if I could. And I succeeded a couple of times. Like, I drink to levels that there's not many people I'm sure that could keep up with. Scotchage could back then drinking would probably put most anyone under the table, if I'm being honest. Like, I'm just going to say it how it is. Like, yeah. some people didn't, some people don't realize the amount I was drinking. <clears throat> you know, they thought I was, okay, you were having a few too many shots. A few too many shots would have been 
great, actually. That would have been so much less than what I was doing. Give us a ballpark figure. I'll put it like this. There was one night I went to a bonfire. In two minutes, I drank a pint of Fireball, a pint of Jack Honey, half a pint of Gentleman Jack, one whole red apple ale. By the end of the night, I drank six red apple ale, four Angry Orchards, all those pints that I spoke of, four shots of sake, four shots of rum, two shots of vodka, and a fifth of Fireball, and then a bottle of wine. So did you say in two minutes you drank about three pints? Yep. That's crazy. How did you not throw up? How did you not end up at the hospital? Um, I I don't really throw up to alcohol, and I don't know how I didn't end up in the hospital. I mean, and for those of you who don't know, Scott is, as you mentioned, 6'4". I'm a bigger dude. Let's just be honest. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll leave it there. He can definitely... um, throw down more than the average person due to size. Um, but even that quantity, that, I mean, I feel like that would have put an Andre the Giant in the hospital. Yeah, no, Andre the Giant could treat but put me under the table. I would never try to have a down. Figuratively. Rest in peace, yeah. Andre. Yeah. All right. All right, buddy. Think about how much of each of those things is. Right. You know, the price on that alone. That's probably about 300 bucks right there. Yeah, we'll get more like one ten. That's it. Yeah, we'll get more one ten because we were drinking cheaper stuff. Uh, but I was doing that Monday night. Tuesday night, I was going to Smoky Bones, having a couple Jack and Cokes, a few margaritas, and a shot of Fireball. So now I'm paying taxes on all my stuff. My regular tab at Smoky Bones was about sixty dollars a night, um, and I would do that. Tuesday, Friday, and Saturday. So, fifty, sixty dollars for three days, and that's not including my tip, right? I tip somebody in the industry. You're going to tip well. Yeah. So, honestly, I was paying about seventy dollars every excursion out. There's a reason why bartenders and kitchen people knew who I was throughout the bars in Chattanooga, because I showed up, I drank a lot, and I tipped well. You know. So, and I'm not proud of it, you know, looking, I'm not saying this with any sort of pride. I'm actually saying this with, Sky, you were a dingus. <laughs> like, I made no qualms about it. I was an idiot. And it's through God's grace that I quit doing that. Um, so I have a few more questions. I don't know if Micah does. Who would have thought a writer with questions? Oh, that's crazy. So crazy. Um, this might be a tougher question, but um, I'm gonna throw us back a little bit to when you were in Asia. Um, I remember there was one night I got I can't remember is it used, it was either a text or a call or FaceTime or something, but you were having a uh, anxiety attack, panic attack. I don't yep. know if, you, if you, I don't know if you remember. I'm sure you do. Um, so just kind of wondering, like, if you could walk us through what that was like and. How often that happened while you were overseas and like how that impacted like, I guess your ministry while you were over there. Cause I know there are a lot of missionaries who, um, kind of, kind of struggle through like depression and anxiety and just hard times. And they have to put on this front and this mask and pretend everything is okay. So I was wondering if you could speak to all that a little bit. Um, so I honestly, I don't remember that exact instance because it happened more than once. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, there were, there were a couple times I had really bad anxiety attacks, um, just riddle me. I mean, I'm talking about waking up screaming in my bed from sleep, drenched in sweat, just heart pounding. Um, and that was kind of a perk of being where it was like three in the morning where I was, because it was like four in the afternoon for you guys or two in the <laughs> afternoon. Yeah. Someone like that. And so I was like, well, at least there's people up. Yeah. Um, honestly, I'll, I'll say this. There were more that happened than what I told you guys. Cause I didn't, not that I'm prideful, but I didn't want people to worry. Right. Like yeah. this, and I'll say this to answer the, what God works on me. And it's to let people worry about me, to let people care about me. I am very much a fixer. I always try to help people. Um, my, my mother says I got it from her. As her dad put it, I will give the shirt off of my back and my spouse's to help someone out in need. You know, that's why mom's very happy that she met my dad. Cause my dad's like, that's my shirt. Give it back. <laughs> um, Steve. Yes, <laughs> um, you said all, I said, Oh, Either way, half jeans. Um, but um, so I'm a fixer. If you come in with a problem, I'll listen. I'm going to give you very straightforward, honest, blunt advice that will probably make you hate me. Like a I, right jaw or a right hook to the jaw? Yeah. Um, I have made people more angry than happy with my advice in life. But I've been one of those. Yeah. But you came to me for advice. You didn't come to me for babysitting. Right. Like, if you wanted to be pampered, you got other people that, for that. I'm not going to be one of those. That being said, um, I didn't like people to worry about me. I wanted people to focus on them. Even now, I have that issue. But, it, I mean, it did. It took a toll. Um, I, unfortunately, even one time had to turn down a meeting with someone because I I just couldn't do it. I was... I hadn't slept. I had maybe slept two hours that entire night. And that was after having the, let's see, I slept for an hour before the panic attack and actually two hours after. So three hours total. I had slept. I was exhausted. I had to teach that day. Um, and so I, I canceled and I regret doing that actually. Cause you know, there I was, it was a chance to reach out, continue installing in someone I just, I couldn't do it. It was not in me physically to do that. And I mean, it, it hurt. It stunk. It made me doubt my entire reason to be there. Um, and it took a lot of working through to get through that. It took a lot of God's grace and his mercy to help me get through that. And I'm thankful that I have people, you know, like you guys back here at home praying for me. You know, encouraging me. Um, but it was very isolating as well. Like I said, I was grateful that I had, you know, okay, it's three in the morning here. I have people work at home. But it wasn't like I couldn't meet up with you guys that day for coffee. Right. It wasn't like anyone could come over and talk. You know, I was alone. Would it say that it, it created more of a dependence on Christ because you didn't have that? Not at first. At first, I kind of started just trying to depend on myself, which is unfortunate, but I made that mistake. I tried to do it, all right, I'll just muscle through it. I'm, 
bullheaded like that. And it did, though, slowly, I started going, okay, I can't do this on my own. And that's when I started texting you guys and started asking for prayer and being honest and upfront and leading more on God for that. Um, because I did. At first, I was like, I'm just going to do this on my own. And it didn't work. Big surprise. <laughs> Who would have thought that trying to do it on their own power doesn't work in the end? It's only said that a ton. Um, but I did. I had to work on that. And it was, even now, I still have to work on that. I still struggle with letting people know when things go wrong, when letting, letting people know that things happen like that. That is a lesson I'm constantly having to reteach myself or God's having to reteach me. Question, no, it's not all right. Why would it be all right? <laughs> burn, sick burn, bro. Um, Way to go, Kip. Roasted. Shoot. So we talked a lot about um, the low points in life and some of the struggles you've gone through, but um, I guess some of the valleys to mention the name of oh, the don't podcast. Do don't do that. So what are Shameful some of the plug. <laughs> Shameful plug. No, no, no. Very plug. important plug. What are some of the mountaintops? Well, like, nothing refreshes me like a nice cold Coca-Cola <laughs> that you can buy at your local grocery store. <laughs> Not sponsored by Coke. <laughs> I was about to say that. Oh. There's your free unless, unless Coke wants to sponsor us, in which no. case we won't say no. Uh, I might. Really? Yeah. By the way, we're talking about, about Coca-Cola. Others. I do not want to be sponsored by a Coke dealer. So just anyway, saying. Um, just to, like describe one of like the really high points that you've experienced in life and like just your relationship with God. And okay, it's been so good. This might seem dumb, but nothing's dumb. So one of the high points is being a new call. Um, I have a niece named Elizabeth, who I affectionately call Laser. And I have a nephew named Harvey, who I affectionately call Spudnik, or Planet Destroyer, or Hans P. Willoughby. He has a cornucopia of... The middle one is definitely the best. Yeah, I like that one too. Planet Destroyer? Yeah. That's actually a shoot-off of Hans P. Willoughby, the beasting for Planet Destroyer. Um, Moving on. But being their uncle is awesome for me. Like, the fact that I'm going to get to be... You know, a, you know, a bit of a role model to these kids. You know, no, I'm not their mom and dad. I'm not anything like that. But You're the cool uncle. You spoil them and send them home. It's even better. No, I'm going to be the uncle that doesn't spoil them. I'm just going to send them home with life lessons. Like, I have honestly already told them I am teaching them how to throw their first punch. Like, I am excited for this. Um, all joking aside, though, being able to be someone that because I want to be the uncle that they can talk to about things. I want to be someone that they can trust and that if they have questions, you know, and their parents are busy, they can call me up and ask me things that they can say, Hey, I'm struggling with this. Hey, I need advice on this. I'm not just talking about spiritual stuff. I'm talking about everyday life things. Like you work, know. school, yeah. love. No, not for laser. No love for laser. Oh, She's not laser. dating until she's like 30 or I'm dead, whichever comes last. You don't like lasers? I don't like anyone that wants to marry laser. I don't know about lasers. Like, well, oh. Laser beams. Laser beams are awesome, but not my laser. What about laser swords? 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lightsabers? Yeah, lightsabers. My dad's awesome. Uh, well, I would have lost a limb by now, but But being your uncle, honestly, you know, that's a high point for me. It really is. As silly and funny as that might seem, knowing that I get to be a mentor, yeah. you know, I get to love on these kids is definitely a high point. I get it. I get it. I'm a new uncle myself and looking forward to very similar things. Uh, this has definitely been one of the highlights of 2018 for me. I can't say for the last year because uh, Paige is within a year from now. <laughs> Shameful plug. Yeah. Uh, any husband points? <laughs> hey. Grand points matter, man. <laughs> yeah, they do. Um, You're in a relationship. You should know that, Kip. I'm not good at the point game. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, I totally get it. Uh, I never thought it'd be the uncle that has a million pictures on his phone or videos. Uh, totally. Um, and I was like, what? You see, I knew I was going to do that uncle. I fully embraced it. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I have embraced it now, but I mean, it's just. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. It's staggering to be an uncle like that. Yeah. As you touched on, Depression, anxiety. Um, yeah, who would have thought the guy that laughs and smiles the most suffers the most? Right. <laughs> that being a big part of your story, what would what would be advice or encouragement um, that you would speak to those that also deal with it? What is something that you've learned it's from going, your life? All right, it's going to be cliche. Seek professional help. I resisted for so long to seek someone professional to talk to. It's great talking to you, Mike. It really is. It's great talking to Kip. But sometimes you got to seek people that are trained for this, that yeah. have invested their times, their lives into studying this. I may be there to listen, but I don't, I'm not equipped for that. Yeah. Um, and so it's seek professional help. Like, you know, a lot of people have a negative sense, and I did, about talking with a counselor or a psychiatrist, but it helps. And there's great Christian psychiatrists and uh, counselors out there. Um, you know, it, and I was against it. I'm not going to lie. I fought against it for so long, but I'm glad that I did. I'm glad that I went and got someone professional to help me through it. Um don't waste your money on alcohol. Here's another one. Don't try to um, don't try to bury it. No amount of drinking, no amount of substance, no amount of I'm you know, no amount of food, no amount of sex, no amount of TV, video games, anything is going to cover this. Right. You, you cannot know. run it. You cannot run it, you can't outfight it. You know. Not on your own, but also, just like I said, you know, talking to you guys, you aren't as well equipped for it. Don't be afraid to tell your friends, like, don't be embarrassed. You know, a lot of people, because I didn't see it as weakness, you know, um, you're depressed because you're weak in life, you know, you're weak in spirit. Okay, guess what? I am weak. We all are. Well, I mean, but I I think that comes from people who... Um, just don't know, like a, a place of ignorance. True. Um, but I think it's also ignorant to think that we, you know, are strong as well in a way. Right, right. But it, but as far as, you know, if if you were to come talk to me or Kip and 
I hope I was never this person. I know Kip wasn't. I know that for a fact. To say, oh, get over it. Or, oh, you're... you're I would not be sitting at this table right now if either one of you had ever given me that answer. Right, but that comes from a place of, of ignorance that people don't understand, that, that haven't lived with it or walked next to somebody with it. Um, yeah. I've, I've been blessed not to, but I have family that has. I have great friends that have, as I'm looking and talking to you, Scott, um, and, and others as well. But exactly. If, if you're the, the friend being told or being confided in, the last thing you want to do is make it seem like it's just something that can be gotten over. Yeah. It's definitely not just an easy thing. Um, and there's a difference between depression and a pity party by every definition. Oh, yeah. Um, really, I will say that there is. I mean, everyone gets out of pity. And then as cliche as this is going to be, pray. Humble yourself and pray. If you can humble yourself to do the first three, you should definitely be able to humble yourself enough to pray. In fact, that should be the first thing that you do. You know, just pray. And it's not going to make it all go away immediately. It's not insert coin into wishing well and be cured. But you'd be amazed, you know, how simple a prayer can be and how magnifying the relief is. It definitely helped me. All right. Well, one last thing. Uh, is there a, I won't ask this every time, by the way, but is there a passage of scripture that means just a lot to you that you would read for us? Psalms 27, verse 1. And this came to me while I was struggling really bad with depression back in 2014-15. And I had a really bad anxiety attack one night. And I looked up verses of encouragement. Uh, How to handle fear, actually, was even one of the searches. And this one just kept popping up with every search I did. I'm reading out of the NIV. For all of you ESV people out there, just bear (laughs) with me. Yep. I'm Um, one of those people. um, But it says... The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Thank you for listening to the Mountain and Valley Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on social media. Just search underscore MV Podcast on any platform. Again, that's underscore M as in mountain. V as in Valley podcast. This podcast was created and produced by Michael Horvath and Kip Wilkinson. All of our original music has been produced by the talented Robert Luther. Any other music used in this episode will be listed in our show notes. Thank you so much for listening. Now go tell your story. <laughs>